Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Slim Cogcast, and I am Slim Cognito. Now, before we jump right on in, I just want to let y'all know that uh, the news this week is kind of polarizing, and I can't wait to talk about it. But also, I got some exciting news as well that I can let you guys know about that should be coming up. As soon as I know that the uh, media is available, I will share it with y'all. So, in the meantime, while things are in the works... Before we get too far, let's not forget that I gotta remind you every week that hello, my name is Slim Cognito, and you're damn right I'm black. Now, from the start, let's go ahead and get into what I've been playing this week. Bruh, I finally beat Evo Land 2, and let's just say not only am I one of the most professional procrastinators, but also... A very efficient one as well, because once I finished that game, I got a heavy Chrono Trigger, ex- you know, inspiration off of the um, making of this game. And they did a pretty good job. I'm not going to lie, um, especially with the team that they had available like this being is this indie. I think it's indie. But the fact that they were able to make something so seamless to transition from three dimensional models to full 8-bit then full 16-bit you know sprites it's it's very it's no it's no small feat in itself you know i'm i'm sure okay of course we have the hardware that can handle those types of things these days but still it's very how can you say not classy kind of talented i suppose you could say it's very talented that they could pull it off and make it a seamless experience not once did i completely lose my immersion like i felt like i was playing a video game of video games you know what i mean a parody of them all and so to speak it was uh, i can't find the the word i guess you could say the weirdest thing the, the weirdest thing the reason i can't really sum it up into one word is because there's moments in this game that were more memorable because of the unexpected genre change. Like one moment you're playing a shump and then you go back to being an action RPG and then suddenly you're playing a fighting game. And then it goes from there to back to adventure game action RPG to a beat em up. And then from there to a sideways shump, the 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 vertical shump. It has the vertical and horizontal shump. Like it's 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 so good. Like mm. and it works well as well. Like they made sure to balance it so it works properly, you know. And but they didn't make it easy. Like it is it's not just a pushover in difficulty, especially the final boss. I still don't completely understand the story altogether, but what I've um I guess you could say what I've surmised from it is it was a whole deal about these these original magis, this early race of scholars who uh, were scientists, and they decided to tamper with time using technology until they created a device that could curve time and cause a temporal, uh, I guess you could say, loop effect in order to keep the world from ending. And so now time goes on forever, but that small curve causes it to repeat upon itself. And the same events happen over and over but at least it doesn't have an end. So it's interesting and well-written. I I, I got to admit it. Like most uh, time travel games, they usually, you know, go for the world. This guy's trying to control time or this guy's trying to destroy all of time, which they did kind of have the final boss wanted to destroy um, time itself. But they, they do it in a clever manner 
that's not too tropey, you know, which is odd to say for a game that fills itself with tropes for the sake of comedy. But not once can I recall a trope, a gaming trope, excuse me, that was implemented simply because they thought that was the right way to make the game. Like if it was there, it was there for comedic effect. There was even a Game of Thrones reference that I didn't get because I've never seen Game of Thrones. But I bumped into a snowman who was like the big boss of this race of Vikings and his name was Jon Snow. So make of that as you will. But anywho, uh, decent game. Like I say, um, me personally, I enjoyed it to at least about maybe uh, seven, seven out of ten. But uh, the average person would not have the patience to finish the type of game. And they'd be turned off by the visuals because it's not the perfect graphical representation. Um, outside of the sprite works are immaculate, but the three models are very bare bones, I guess you could say. So it's not it's not I'm not going to be, you know, too unrealistic with it. You know, the average person would probably give it about a six. You know, people, the, the average person wouldn't have the attention span for it. But uh, I enjoyed it, so to speak. Is is it's like a little museum for people who play classic games and just want to go down memory lane, but with a fresh story. And I'd recommend it. You know, um, the one thing is though the length of it is considerably longer than the first Evil Land, and I would recommend Evil Land one to those who would want to go down that road for a quick little you know trip just to experience it. But it would take, let me see, the first game takes about maybe a good, you know, five hours to beat, maybe. Yeah, about five, maybe six hours to beat. Whereas this game was like a full-fledged adventure. Like, it was dungeons. There was artifacts to collect and a whole map to explore in three different time periods. Technically four, but let's say three and a half. And it's it's a fully experienced adventure. All types of characters different nods you see uh sprites of like sora and bomberman and mario and you know things like that from kingdom hearts and you know their respective games then you get to see character models of like ness and lucas from earthbound you get to see all of these different uh creatures that look like they were pulled directly out of like a final fantasy summon art book oh man it's 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 well done it, it will go from being a top-down uh, 2D sprite adventure to a 3D fully mobile action RPG to a side scroller like platformer. It it does it all. It does it all. But I enjoyed myself. Now next uh that I played this week is uh I played Little Nightmares on the stream for y'all. Uh I, for those who did stop by on the Halloween sh Halloween stream, excuse me. Uh I hope y'all enjoyed it because I enjoyed you all. We had uh, a good time. First, we played the Little Nightmares, and I'll give you my opinion on that real quick. Now, Little Nightmares, it's a unique little something. You know, it's, 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 how can I describe it? It's like if you combined the Rule of Rose from the PlayStation 2, which was like, it was a video game about, it was horror, but more on the try to make you uncomfortable type of horror by using disgust and unfamiliarity and, you know, things like that to off put you but it wasn't really about the jump scares and scaring you now this game is if you were to take that limbo game that indie game limbo that came out like about oh i think there's like is that a 12 year old game by now 10 year old game maybe but uh if you take the indie game limbo 
and you combined it with like rule of rose this would be the love child little nightmares is amazing and as far as the plot i wouldn't be able to explain it to you without spoilers i would love for you guys to like experience it for yourself because it's literally a three-hour game if you can find it go ahead and grab it there's a sequel coming out for it next year in 2021 and i highly recommend it to anyone who likes a nice narrative that's more show than tell they're they like the whole the entire dialogue I don't think there's a single word of dialogue throughout the entire game. It's all suggested sounds and characters miming out their intentions, but it speaks volumes because of such. And I love that type of storytelling. I love it to death. If you've um, listened to last week's podcast, I think I spoke about uh, Metroid having that type of uh, storytelling and me experiencing that as a kid is what made me prefer that type of storytelling it's the mo it's the less is more type of uh philosophy of going about exposition and i love it i, I can't get enough of it so yeah um the most that i can tell you without spoiling is that you play as this little girl i'd assume in a raincoat and trying your best to es escape this facility that you found yourself in and that's pretty much the entire premise that you're given in the first five minutes. Everything after that is a spoiler and it's something major. But if you pay attention to the details, you can pick up on the story and it really ramps up. Like I'd say after I say after the second hour of gameplay, maybe the first hour and a half after the first hour and a half of gameplay, you're gonna it's it, it just starts to ramp up on you and it goes kind of insane. So enjoy that please i highly recommend it you could probably find it for super cheap and uh don't forget little nightmares it actually surprised me when i booted it up and it gave me a logo that said bandai namco and i would not for the life of me imagine that a game like this would be made by band or published by bandai namco so there you have it go ahead and give that a shot as soon as you're able um and after we finished that, of course, we played some Among Us uh, with some public people in an Among Us Discord, and we had a good time. Uh, I got imposter and completely wrecked some fools, and I'm going to see about taking that footage, and we're going to put that up on the YouTube for you guys, uh, see if you guys enjoy it, hopefully. Um, of course, uploading that type of content is almost like suicidal since, you know, so many of the other uh, kids and fans of the game are looking at like Disguised Toast, Valkyrie, Trainwrecks, XQC with some type of friggin' thumbnail of somebody getting killed and friggin' the titles like 9 million IQ plays as an imposter. Like it's just a bit much, but um, to hell with that, you know, I, I'm, I'm a low, I'm below my shit because i just want y'all to see it yeah moving on from there uh pretty much everything else i'm still working on uh spirit tracks on the 3ds i finally got back to that now that i've uh, whittled down the backlog and uh, i'm speed running some halloween sale candy because of the day of the halloween so uh, if y'all ain't got y'all you better go get it and uh, what what else did i play this week actually i constantly draw a blank i don't think i've done other than Genshin Impact and some shooters, I don't think there's any other um, important single player games that I've explored this past week. So, yeah, um, I don't really want to talk about Genshin Impact much because it's actually tiresome. 
Um, and I get the feeling like people are so enamored with the gotcha system that they don't even want to hear any type of negativity or I won't call it negativity, but any type of objective reasoning about the game's design. Like nobody wants to hear it because they're so lost in the sauce. And for that matter, I keep my opinion to myself unless asked. But um, this is my motherfucking podcast, so anybody got to ask me right now. So as much as I'm going to say is, the reason that I do not trust MMOs or gacha games or mobile phone games is because the same reason I don't like the Facebook games of days of old made by Zynga. or, Or was it? Yeah, it was Zynga. And... I've already experienced that type of game design and I hate it because it's literally made these games like this from MMOs and these other games are psychologically, they're based on psychological data in order to keep people engaged. Even if you don't want to play the game or don't feel like playing it, it's made to keep you playing it. Therefore, it takes away my ability to make my own cognitive decisions and decide whether I want to play a game or not. That is the moment when the game is telling me what to do rather than me choosing what to do. And nothing on this earth, I do not accept anything on this earth or in this universe that tells me what to do and I don't want to do it. I am uncomfortable with that type of mindset and accepting that type of reality. It is not okay. It is not all right. If somebody wants to play a video game, they should want to play it out of the sheer enjoyment of it. But to promise gameplay and only drip feed them good things through tedious amounts of busy work and give them just a little bit of dopamine a little bit of dopamine a little bit of dopamine every now and then to keep stringing them along i am not okay with that shit okay there's a reason that candy crush became so popular there's a reason that farmville and these other games became so popular there's a reason that these games got so big It's called hacking the human brain. My brain likes to have self-control and security. Therefore, it don't like to be hacked. And I'll be damned if I let some gacha rip off, not even an MMO, shitty multiplayer experience video game with a gacha system made by some, made by an Asian company that is well-versed in making these types of games. You cannot be okay with this all right this skews your opinion this makes you think that it's okay to spend more than 100 dollars on a video game that you're already able to play the objective of the game is to play and experience it why would you play and experience a game and then put more money into it after the fact especially if you're not really getting anything out of it see the thing is that it's got so many people fooled on it is that you're rolling for the chance to get characters which is like a full character with a moveset and etc but that doesn't really like add much to me because guess what there's a chance that that character could be trash and you could end up with characters that you don't want you this is not okay this is one of the reasons why i don't like gambling I don't get down with the loot box things. The only reason I told y'all before, probably in previous episodes, that the only loot box system that I accepted was Overwatch. I haven't seen another one that was good. I played TF. I got over 600 hours in TF2 and haven't bought a single key. I have over, I know I got over like 
120 no 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 no. excuse me i i, I know i got over a thousand hours on overwatch i know i have over a thousand hours on overwatch i've been i've had that game since 2016 and i've been playing it religiously since just take away one year and highest the highest rank i've gotten up to was diamond so clearly i've played the game for a long time and i've been able to experience it fully and completely without purchasing a single thing aside from the game itself that's how it's supposed to be league of legends is acceptable because you pay these prices these small prices for a skin on your favorite character therefore it's not overstepping its boundaries on extra content being paid for if you spend eight hundred dollars on skins it's your own fault but still you can still have one skin on a character maybe two or three and you're fine but it does not affect the gameplay at all elsewise it will be even worse of an endeavor so this is this is the point that i'm saying here and here's the reason before you guys make the argument here's the reason why there's a divide between genshin impacts dlc etc or microtransactions actually i should say here's the difference between the microtransactions and league of legends and genshin impact genshin impact has characters that are literally garbage tier and some characters just way better and sometimes needed in order to get to the higher levels of this game and be able to actually defeat the things that they have available to you after adventure level 40 shit gets real and stupid difficult you need the best tier or at least the best available characters and even outside of that barring full characters behind a gotcha system is still bad on paper even in concept because the each character play has a different play style and every person does not play video games the same so therefore you might have some people that prefer the counter type of character like bidu which is my type of thing i love doing counters but i don't have beto so just gotta deal with it or here i am the the most lucky i've been is i have fischl and that was the luckiest role i've gotten they've given me fischl like four or five different times in roles okay she's one of the most op characters in the game right now. but still it doesn't matter much if you have others who are able to get a hold of say a five-star character that's incredibly strong uh they get a hold of deluke or someone else i've yet to see someone roll a gene but here's the thing the fact that so much gameplay is barred behind a gambling system should not sit right with any gamer it should not sit right with any because it's not like their odds are in your favor the house wins the house wins always and the odds that they have on rolling these characters are way too rare and the majority of the people who play I've, re I've i've rarely seen someone actually satisfied with what they were given it was something else it was something they were getting something that they didn't want or they spent most of their time worrying about getting those things and anybody if y'all will be real my last point just be honest with yourself the most fun and the most dope just pumped pumped into your brain during the entire time that you play that game the most exciting part is waiting to see what you get out of them damn wishes bro be real with yourself that story is basic watching anime way back in the 90s for kids as simple and 
Nothing ain't gonna say it's trash, but it's simple as hell. It ain't no groundbreaking story. Alright. That's some Fisher Price shit. I'm sorry I had to say it. There's nothing deep about it, bro. It's literally two steps from a Zelda Zelda lore. And Zelda's lore is way better. So what do you have then? Nothing. I be speed reading this shit. Even when I take my time and read this shit, I be like, God damn, I, I predicted everything that's going on with this. This shit is not that interesting. The most interesting in the lore would be like the characters' backstories. And even the majority of the characters' backstories are boring as hell. The Luke is the coolest person in the game. He got the best backstory. Literally. Everybody else bores me to tears, bro. And everybody who, the only people who's willing to defend me are the ones who want to see their little skintly clad, small little waifus dance around as they click, 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 click their basic attacks all fucking day. You're not happy. You know you aren't. Even if you got a new character, you know you're bored one hour after owning that character. Those same animations, seeing those same animations would get hella tired and the same fucking loop would be hella tired after an hour but i'm gonna speak for myself so in order to not really to to not make people defensive and then change their motives for playing the game and a lot of themselves or what they like just so they can be able to argue against it plain and simple bro mmos are not made to be video games they're made to be time sinks they're made to keep you engaged they're made to take all of your fucking it is made to warp your idea of what entertainment should be and they have the right to do it most of the time because it's always free to play now if it was one of those mmos that actually had good content like final fantasy or dc universe which really goes somewhat deep and has something going on in it then you can enjoy it hell DC Universe is hella enjoyable, even on a free-to-play aspect. Still getting slept on in 2020. I, I, but that's this is just me and my rant on how I feel about MMO games. And I feel like the whole Facebook gaming and, you know, mobile gaming design choices were inspired by Asian MMOs, bro. So, if like, do you can't think that this is a healthy form of gaming when the people who made this shit have to put a curfew and a time window on how much people can play that shit? Because people will literally sit up and die of dehydration from playing it. Think about the time that you've wasted playing an MMO, how much you could have done, how much you could have achieved something else you could have done it and i'm not saying go out and climb out everest or fight a heavyweight boxer i'm saying think about how many games you got in your backlog that you hadn't even touched think about all the other tv shows that you could have watched anime you could have looked at manga you could have read comic books so many different kinds of media that you could learn from and help you grow but you're stagnant let go let go they'll always be there for sure because they make way too much money you could always come back anybody who loves mmos to death and that they really would like to experience something different if they're tired of the everyday just do a little something different try it i dare you i dare you like a one week challenge just do some different shit and you'll realize how tired you are of mmos and their bullshit before you want to pick it up and do it again try it out i dare you anyway rent over 
I literally, I literally got mad because I saw somebody spend like over a thousand dollars on this fucking gotcha, bro. Do you understand how fucking asinine it is that these people did not charge you to be able to play the full extent of their game, but you gave them a thousand dollars for just gave it to them? What could you have done with that money, bro? When you the, one of the strongest words that somebody, an, an older gentleman told me when I was 25 years old, he said, the main thing that I regret the most is the money that I wasted and the time that I wasted the stupid things that I did in my youth. I could have done way more. That hits me. I carry those words in my heart every day. It's like if everything's a waste of time, at least I'm going to use a fraction of it outside of just pure pleasure. I'm going to put in some work. I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something. I'm going to make something happen. And I can't I can't get by accepting the thought of me playing some shit like that. That's just stringing me along. I, I can't get with it. I'm tired of living with artifacts. I'm tired of ascending characters with the same damn materials doing the same shit back and forth across the map over and over again for some fucking Palomino mushrooms. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm taking a long break from Genshin Impact. It's not my thing. Um, initially, I didn't want to uh, stop playing because I know my friends, you know, they they all about this MMO life. So they'd be all, you know, oh, you couldn't handle it or something, you know, saying or, you know, you know it's 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 dude so we're gonna talk shit but i i don't care at this point like what the fuck like i I got time to do stuff productive now so i still want to get i want to become a better editor a better video editor i want to become a better photographer i want to get better at my cinematography i want to get good at these crafts and this building this this business that i'm building that's what i want to get good at i want my youtube channel to grow and it has to grow with me by making new content, better ideas, things that people will want to watch that you all will want to look at, you know, and that's what I'm invested in. So I'm sorry, Genshin, you almost got me. And that's what gotcha is. But you can't get this, brother. We're a little too woke for that. Moving on. Let's get into the news. All right. So first thing on the docket, Sony News acquisition of the U.S. anime streaming service Crunchyroll. Bruh. Now, they don't even name the author of the article. It just says uh, staff writers. And I don't really like that. But basically, uh, Sony, who already is the parent company owning uh, Funimation, is trying to acquire Crunchyroll now, who is under the parent company AT&T. And it looks like they're is going for a price thus far by $957 million. U.S. dollars, which converts to about uh, over a hundred billion yen, and it's about what, what did the article say? Seventy million members around the world on Crunchyroll. So yeah, Crunchyroll is um really originated in San Francisco, started in two thousand and six, and it has like seventy million people subscribed to it. It's the main source of anime for a lot of people. Uh, especially people um, who are very busy. I've uh, I, I know a number of people who are anime fans, and the convenience of Crunchyroll helps them a lot because there's apps available where you can watch on your phone, and there's also apps available you can watch it on a game console or what have you. So it just works. So if you work in your daily nine to five or doing something, you know, for your own benefit or with the family and you got a little time to yourself, maybe about an hour or so, you will go ahead and watch you an episode or two 
of your choice of anime, you know, since they're going to be about maybe 20 minutes a piece and you keep on going with your life. And that makes sense to me. So it's a smart move for them to acquire it, especially considering that Crunchyroll needs more funding. It needs a parent company that's willing to put more into it with the uh, success of God of High School. They need real money to give these animes that they would adopt from, say, Webtoon or some type of fan-made project and make these things into full-fledged real animes and not just try to squeeze it into a 13-episode season, you know, so that's the biggest thing. Next thing on the topic, uh, on the topic, oh, look at me. I, I, I promise you guys that I do podcasting for a living. Next thing on the docket is uh, over at the guru3d.com website. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War requirements needs up to 175 to 250 gigabytes of space. This PC specifications are noted as such. Of course, if you want to run it at the minimum, then you will need a minimum i3 340 or AMD FX6300 CPU, 8 gigs of RAM, and the HDD space says multiplayer only 50 gigabytes, but 175 75 gigs for all game modes that would include Warzone and the campaign. Now, here's the thing. Once you go from minimum and recommended which the recommended uh, ramps up from i3 to an i5 2500K Intel and an AMD Ryzen R5 1600K. So, or excuse me, that's 1600X. Let me get a full uh, size of this here picture. Damn it. Really? Okay. Give me a moment. So, as we ramp up, the recommended goes from the i3 to an i5, basically, and then an AMD FX 6300 to an R5 1600X. And now, recommended with ray tracing has its own column. And there seems to be two different type of ray tracing that you could implement because there's ray tracing on smaller resolutions and ultra ray tracing, which is on 4K resolution, but I highly doubt is native. So it's saying upscale using DLSS NVIDIA cards to 4k with ray tracing active so when you use dlss though what it's doing is just scaling up the picture so it's not a native 4k but it scales it up so well because of the deep learning ssai technology that it's supposed to be somewhat marginally less but still pretty good looking picture with ray tracing active so that way it won't be so demanding on the hardware that being said that feature is only exclusive dlss is exclusive 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 to the nvidia graphics cards the 30 series graphics cards it will not be available for radon cards not available for amd graphics cards i can't stress this enough now even on the recommended um list here it's telling you that for your for your card, it literally recommends all NVIDIA and AMD cards until you get to Ultra RTX. And the only card listed is the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080. So that should be telling enough right there. And the difference between recommended with ray tracing, which is just RT enabled at lower resolutions like 1440p and 1080p. Okay, it's listed saying that you need an i7 
8700K or a Ryzen 1800X for your CPU. This means that you also, it also lists the only thing enabled for ray tracing, the only card listed. And keep in mind, this is because of uh, the AMD cards just released and this news uh, was released, what? maybe a day or two before the uh, AMD cards were uh, revealed, but we'll, we'll get around to that. Basically, your NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3070 is listed for ray tracing at lower resolutions. Okay, beyond that, and I don't know why they put the competitive in between there, because competitive is like, is not for the biggest resolutions, for smaller resolutions and the highest frame rate and refresh rate. But um, Ultra RTX, says that you need the 3080 and this is the only one that requires 250 gigabytes of hard drive space every other subsequent parts of this from the recommended to the recommended with ray tracing on lower resolutions and competitive mode all say 175 gigabytes of hard drive space the only one that's smaller than that is the minimum which is multiplayer only would be 50 gigabytes but for all game modes meaning the battle royale war zone and the campaign would be a total of 175 gigabytes but you jump up immediately to 250 gigabytes of hard drive space once you get to ultra rtx and i find that rather ridiculous this is another small rant i'm gonna make and then we're gonna blitz through the news to get out of here so ray tracing i i read a lot of these articles every week okay in order to bring you guys the news and i am tired and sick of ray tracing okay it does nothing at all unless you implement it for the use in like puzzles or something it literally does not equate what it's worth it, it it's it's not worth the hardware demand it's so demanding on hardware and it, and it acts for too much okay ray tracing is not worth it you're literally just going bonkers over a feature and ramping up the remain the the required specs of your hardware just so you can have better reflections on the water and better shadows just so you can have better reflections on glass it's not necessary and it's completely foolish to me. It's just a marketing angle, in my opinion. Ray tracing does not affect gameplay at all, unless it was gameplay made around it, unless they can come up with a good and clever demo in use of it. It's no use in even having it. There's no use. Visual spectacle only lasts so long for me. I can look at a game and say, oh, it's so beautiful. Man, this looks so pretty. And then after that, I'm like, okay, but is it fun? And that only takes about what, 30 minutes to a couple of hours. I can rec the, the most beautiful games and, and memorable games visual wise are the ones that make a great art style. Those are the ones I remember the most. Hollow Knight's art style was very strong. The it's just games like where they put love into the design for the art team. This right here, the reason I don't like to push for graphical fidelity is because it takes away in my opinion, the necessity of the art. If we keep chasing the rabbit to try to make video games real and indistinguishable from real life, then there's no reason for escape and a break from reality. There will be no reason for art anymore in video games. So that's just, that's just how I view it, bro. I'm sorry. I have a different, my opinions are not popular because the general populace likes to follow the Kardashians and listen to everything that celebrities do and say.
my opinions are not popular because they take I don't want to sound boastful i don't want to sound like i don't think i'm better than anyone or smarter than anyone but it's just i don't have an opinion that everybody shares i like things that are necessary things that are done for a purpose i like my dollar to be spent for a purpose i need a pop filter on my microphone i'm gonna put that on the list of things i need for the business but yeah this is completely unnecessary to me to implement and it cost me not only another 75 gigabytes of hard drive space, but also I would need to get the cream of the crop CPU. And let's not let's call a spade a spade. OK, let's let's not, you know, just side skirt around it and be honest here. I believe this was made to sell NVIDIA cards. I believe this was made to sell NVIDIA cards and higher end hardware because there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, um, I'm going to PC game. And then they go and get the most expensive car. They go and get an i9 processor. There's nothing. If you ain't making, if you're not making Disney level of computer generated artistic as like movies and shit, if you're not literally creating video games, there is no reason for any commercial person to have any type of processor beyond an i5 or an R5 Ryzen CPU. You don't need a CPU stronger than that. You'll never be able to completely full, fully utilize it. And if you do, it's going to be for a little bit of time. And it really won't save you much time off your life from a difference between an R5 or I5. You are fooling. No, you're not. You, you're just falling victim to the marketing. But this is this is the real straight dope here. You don't need anything beyond that. If you're not gaming in 4K, don't bother. If you are gaming at 4K, I'll excuse it. You're going to need this beefy stuff. But all in all, 4K is not going to make a difference. It's not going to make you a better person at the games. It's not going to make you click heads faster. It's not going to make you better at, you know, just immediately make you a pro. It's not going to happen. That's not how it goes. <sighs> the reason this bothers me is because PCs are not a cheap piece of work. This is not a cheap endeavor. And anybody out there, ha, 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 yeah, you got the money to spend. You have the disposable income. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. But a PC is not cheap. And to coerce people into spending upwards of over $2,000 on a build is very, very sleazy to me. And I ain't, and I might as well tell it real while I'm here. All right, let's blitz the next, the, the rest of these here. Eurogamer.net. Next on the docket. Demon Souls remake won't be introducing new difficulty levels, which is good because no Souls game has an easy mode and they're going to keep complaining about it, but they're not going to get it so they can go ahead and sit on their thumbs and then suck on it because we're not having that shit. All right. It's a Souls and it's made to challenge you. Too bad. So sad. Kiss ass. All right. Next. Spider-Man Miles Morales includes brilliantly animated Spider-Verse suit. The reason I introduced this to the docket is because not only is it amazing and y'all know I loves me some Into the Spider-Verse and Miles Morales, but to be real with you, this is a pretty cool, you know, addition to the game and they even included the animation style from the movie. Now, the thing about the animation style of the movie is they wanted to make it like a halfway mark between a comic book and a full animated film. 
And the way they did that is by signifying the different Spider-Men and Peters um, by comparison to Miles and showing that Miles was still in his comic book in early stages of learning how to be his own Spider-Man. Now, if you were to recall the scene where they were breaking into Wilson Fisk's laboratory to find out about the Collider through Dr. Octavia's computer, there was a scene when they were escaping. Of course, the infamous bagel scene where he hit the scientist with the bagel during their escape. And he was teaching Miles how to swing. Well, if you noticed the way the animation works, it comes down to keyframes and keyframes are just a still frame or drawing of what they want the character to be doing at that moment in time. And over, say, 30 frames per second, you might have, say, 15 frames of keyframes. And they fill in the blanks of those between those 15, every 15 frames, they have to make an animation so it can move smoothly and change the picture slightly so the motion can look natural from frame number one to frame number 15. Because frame number one is a key frame and frame number 15 is a key frame or, and so on. And then frame 30 and then frame 45, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when it comes to key frames, the smoother and higher the frame rate, the more keyframes you'll need. So this is what they call, say, having people on 15 or having them on five keyframes or on two. The smoother the animation, they might be using a keyframe every, let's say, every two frames, I think it is. And the keyframes that Miles Morales, him having less keyframes, made him look like he was going at what people incorrectly, but, you know, not too far off and understandably call it a lower frame rate. But he just has less keyframes. So you have a smooth animation on Peter B. Parker because he's on twos, whereas Miles is on like every five frames or so. So it's got a little bit of smoothness, but some choppiness to his animation. But once Miles starts getting the hang of his swing, pay attention to that scene. Go back and look at that movie. Once Miles starts to get used to swinging as Peter's teaching it to him, he starts to go on twos and he gets a smoother frame animation just like Peter B. Parker so then it begins to match on an animation level it told the story on another layer making that movie a cinematic masterpiece this is why I am a full-blown advocate and huge fan of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse okay that movie is a masterpiece. And if you don't know, please find out another good explanation. I tried to find some media that could explain this very well. And the best that I can think of is uh, when I was looking at the best I could come up with in my search on YouTube was a corridor crew or corridor digital is they're formerly known, but the corridor crew corridor. So they have a video. Uh, where it's like a artist react or VFX or react to and find the one for Sp Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And they will tell you all of these things explained to you uh, with a Disney animator present as a guest star. And he'll give you the full lowdown on how it all operates. So hopefully that's one that explain it as well as or better than I could explain it. But yes, 
so the, I, I really like this fact and it's very very important and near and dear to me and that's why it's on the docket so moving on next as expected nvidia's rtx 3070 sells out immediately after launch as not a lot here on this GameSpot article it's literally um filibuster in, in order to make a full article and i'm looking at the article and it's a total of <sighs> kind of three paragraphs not really uh partial paragraphs really just 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 short it looks more like poem stanzas than everything because the first paragraph is literally three sentences and onward you just have like just filling in and saying and stating what's going on but the long and short of it is thus the 3070s dropped and they were immediately sold out right before halloween struck a few days before halloween uh not too surprised the people are at it the bots are at it the scalpers are at it so what can you do about it Next on the docket over on Dual Shockers, here's another filibuster article that uh, Dual Shockers came across, but I'm going to include it not to be political, but just to make it known. Um, because, hey, I, why, why would I turn a blind eye to things that's going on in my community? And it's a part of who I am, which would be a part of my channel. So buckle up. The PlayStation 5 Japanese launch commercials for the place, um, unsurprisingly, excuse me. Uh, cuts most shots of black people from the international version and some of the clips from uh, the trailer of the launch trailer of the ps5 literally cut the african-american characters out but 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 here's the thing we're not saying that the japanese are racist we're not saying that the japanese aren't used to black people there are black celebrities um black um all type of people in their media in over in japan and in asia and china so it's not that big of a um, revolutionary thing that we exist to them but to be real with you what what it just really boils down to so everybody can fix their energy and be educated before they get angry about it is it's just the marketing team's decision to do such a thing and somebody on the marketing team they always make decisions based on data and their marketing team knows that their data must have shown that the image of black people isn't really favorable over there because even though we're in the media they hardly the majority of asians that are born and raised and live on that land do not know are not friends with or are even familiar or never have met in person and a dark-skinned black or african person african-american person whatever one of the darker uh, tone people that you can refer to they're just not familiar with it okay so in order to appeal to an audience they had to appeal to them the only way they know how and the only face on the face of the world thanks to media that everybody doesn't mind smiling in your face and taking your money is well let's not go deep into that but anywho let's just be real uh this is just marketing and even though they may have been doing their job right it still doesn't soften the blow that this is how things are moving on next on the docket over on pcgamer.com once again thank the lord that i blocked their ads because they have the most intrusive freaking advertisements on this site and their memory footprint if, if y'all remember me uh, telling you way back, their memory footprint is abysmal. But on this article in particular for today, written by Rich Stanton, says the Phil Spencer confirms all first party Xbox Series X games are coming to PC. So he's confirming that the new Halo, new Gears, everything will be on PC as well. And he even confirmed that they'll be coming to Steam as well as the Microsoft Store, the Xbox Store. So... 
I, th- I think that's huge. I think that's huge and the smartest move they could ever make. Now their sales are going to skyrocket because the PC players who don't want to play on an Xbox will buy your games. And that's what matters. So kudos to them. Good, good choices. Good, good decisions. Eurogamer next on the docket. Hackers reportedly jailbreak the Oculus Quest 2 bypassing its forced Facebook login. If you were with me in the previous weeks on the podcast, we talked about the new Oculus 2 that was being made, Oculus Quest 2. And of course, Oculus is owned by Facebook and therefore they implemented a new proprietary system on this device. And they're saying that the new Oculus is going to require a Facebook login. And if you were to delete said Facebook account, you lose all achievements and purchases that you made in your Oculus that's bound to that account. Therefore, it's trash. It's completely trash. But the hackers have completely bypassed it. And pretty much I agree with what they're saying. And 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 basically here's the quote and I'm going to read it verbatim because it's beautiful. We have the right to repair our own hardware. It is our right to restore access to this hardware when it is taken from us. We have the right to legally modify our own devices, just as people already do with their phones. We need to be certain that our biometric data is being used correctly. We need to know how and when our voice and movement data is being used. Security researchers need root access to the headset to validate the manufacturer's claims. Businesses are taking a huge risk by building the emerging XR market in response, they are bullied into being bought or risk being cloned or thrown out of the store. We need alternative open content marketplaces. These principles should apply to every headset and app ecosystem. By taking a stance, a stand against Facebook, we are taking a stand for the entire XR ecosystem. Now, the whole point of this is what he's saying is he does not want the line to be blurred between you using a product as a service and temporary ownership, but you spend money and you own that product. And that's one of the biggest issues with gaming these days, because now that people have accepted app phone games, they have the most outrageous agreements in the end user licensing that they want to push that line even further in the sand and say okay you do not own these games even though you paid full price we have the right to either pull it down at any time you can't re-download it in the future if we so choose to take it down and your data that you used in this game belongs to us that's literally what they do in the apps with these apps they literally tell you that your data is not your data anymore. It's a part of their servers and that data being stored on their servers is considered their property to do with what they please, whether they sell your information to advertisement companies or they use it to market more things to you or they use it to analyze that data in order to make better systems in order to keep people engaged in their businesses and apps and programs so this is this is this is just how it is the most the most valuable thing these days is not money gold oil gasoline no don't fool yourselves the most valuable thing in this day and age that companies would kill to get a hold of is information they love having data they want people's buying habits they want to know what you're willing to click on and actually watch they want to know 
people's interests they want to have a full set of data so they can cross-reference okay this person is a liberal but they agree with donald trump okay what are the buying habits of a person with that type of mindset okay if that's a fact then let's go ahead and get as much data from this person and we'll know something and we'll be able to recognize that same type of mentality or mindset amongst someone else. That way, if we catch another liberal, we might be able to advertise to them with this angle and make them want to buy, oh, this this candidate, a, a political candidate's uh, merchandise or to for or this person who supports this political candidate to purchase some liberal merchandise like this this is how modern day marketing works so that's the reason why i support any type of this is called white hat hacking okay people who hack for good purposes like preserving old video games or making sure that people don't get screwed over in the use of their products you know things like that this is white hat hacking and it's good for the people and we need to accept it. But hey, that's all of the articles we have these week and everything that I could think to speak about. Um, as far as the coming week, I don't really have uh, any streams directly planned, but there will be some streams that I do have on the brain. And they will just happen all of a sudden. That's why I tell you to follow me on Twitter so you can know when I'm starting to stream because I always tweet when I stream. And also, don't forget that if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's going to be at Slam Cognito Mode. So if you enjoyed the podcast, if you want to see something different, um, I've, I've worked on like three separate unfinished projects for the channel. But I think I came across something in a spark of inspiration literally like three hours ago and i'm gonna start editing that together hopefully but um and i got a chance to guest star on a certain on a certain gaming podcast so y'all be on the lookout for that i will give you the details once it's ready to go and it's edited and uploaded but as for right now we're gonna coast and hope for more opportunities for me in the future to uh, come across these type of things i want to communicate and and network with more people and in the meantime, if you did like any of this content, if you like any of my other content, don't forget that I could use a like or a comment and a subscribe. And don't forget to check out the Twitch over on Slim Cognito Entertainment at twitch.tv. I think I droned out this this outro way too long. I'm trying to I I'm, I swear I'm trying to get this outro down. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Anyway, just remember the channel motto: intentions are the most important. Actions ain't nothing but loud and words don't mean a damn thing. Y'all take care of yourselves out there and enjoy your time. Stay warm and bundled up, up until we get to Thanksgiving. And always, peace.